Hi everyone, welcome to season two, episode five of Morning Matcha. I'm here today with holistic executive coach Sarah Onasuri. Hi, Sarah. Hello. I'm super excited that we made this happen on such a like quick turnaround time. That's how we roll. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to have you on the podcast today just to talk a little bit more about entrepreneurship in general, but also other things that you're a holistic executive coach. And a lot of times you mentioned that that involves people transitioning in their careers, but it can look like a whole list of things, whether it's personal life stuff to any sort of transition. And I wanted to learn a little bit about your story and your background and how you got started on this path. Uh, It's been a beautiful, messy, interesting journey. So I worked for a big corporation in brand management and marketing for many years. I kind of followed what I call like the lazy river of life. Like you kind of just get guided here and there into your next steps. And so through college and into the workplace, it kind of, I took a very active role in creating my future, but it was within these very specific bounds and the, the momentum was definitely at my back. So I worked in a, for a large organization, worked in several of their operating companies doing marketing and brand management And I really enjoyed it. And also for maybe the last three of my seven year career with them, I was getting this like inner pangs or whispers that I wasn't supposed to be there and that there was something else for me to be doing. And I felt that feeling and I knew it was real, but I I was like, well, that's it. That's all I get is like a little prompting. And so because I didn't feel like I knew where to go, I just kind of shoved it down kept myself really busy, maybe even a little distracted. And my organization, you know, there was momentum in that. So I kept moving roles and got getting promoted and salary increases. And everybody around me thought I was doing great and were very encouraging. And I, no one really asked me, you know, is this what you're going to do for the rest of your life? Like what, what's next for you? Or why is this important to you? Like there was no questioning happening. And finally, about two years ago, I finally had this understanding that there's a window in my life between being a single woman and being a mom and creating a family. And if I don't take action to explore what this whisper is, I know myself enough to know I will never do it. I'm a fairly risk averse person and (laughs) I like a lot of certainty in my life, but there was no denying that there was something else. So I quit my job with zero plan of what to do next, no idea what I wanted to create. And the reason I did that was because I was so engulfed in my work and so stressed out. And I was left in a place where I really didn't have any creativity or any energy to create what was next. And so knowing that about myself, I decided, listen, create, create a little sabbatical, come home to yourself, take some time and figure out what it is that you want to do. So I left which for some people is like no big deal. For me, I felt like I was going to die. Like yeah. It was that scary. Did you have any sort of marker for, okay, I'm going to leave once I save this much money or anything like that? Yeah. At the beginning of really feeling that prompting of this isn't it, it was, I need a promotion. Mm-hmm. So I was hired into a job where most of my peers had MBAs. And so I knew if I wanted to stay somewhat within the industry, I needed to at least become a manager. I was an associate at the time. And so for me, it was when I get promoted, then maybe I can think about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were, there was like a savings threshold that I was trying to reach. Um, But honestly, I think, 
you know, I had been saving money since I started and just putting little bits away and not investing, not doing 401k. I was literally just creating this like savings Mm -hmm. piggy bank Mm -hmm. because I had this gut feeling that I knew something was going to come up. So I wouldn't say I had any specific markers. I think the the, the whisper just got louder and I, I had to push myself off the ledge. I think yeah. you always have to leap like as prepared as you can be. And I was not very prepared mm-hmm. to be honest. There's always going to be a moment where you need to push yourself. And yeah. even if someone is at your back kind of going like this, you ultimately will have to take the next step. What about when you first started um, getting the whispers or you're saying that gut feeling, did anything from the outside spark that like seeing people happy in their careers or doing what they're super passionate about? Or was it just like there? It was just there. And I, and I lived in a little bit of a bubble, right? I was mostly friends with my coworkers. Um, most of the people around me were kind of doing what they were supposed to do. I had a few friends. I have a, a really good friend who always was interested in film and photography and that's what he pursued. And I saw him in that And I saw it was a struggle, but it was clear that he was in his purpose. So there were people around me that I knew were kind of doing what they Mm -hmm. were supposed to do. But the vast majority of my peer set was kind of just on the track. track. Yeah. Yeah. So it was definitely that inner whisper. And I, you know, I grew up in a, a family where spirituality was kind of at the core of who we were and what our conversations were like at the dinner table. And I, I knew that that was unusual. My friends, a lot of them didn't have that kind of family unit and that kind of dialogue. And I also knew that I was very in the world and very practical. And I remember in college, I always read the Yoga Journal magazine Mm -hmm. and Inc. magazine. (laughs) And so I had this knowing of like, I'm, I'm a bridge person, you know, I can connect and talk to anybody. And I felt like, again, in these like intangible ways, I was like, there's something there. Like I'm supposed to bring these things together. Um, but again, I didn't, I didn't know how. Yeah. So you quit your job. Yes. And then what? And then I sat on the couch for <laughs> two weeks at least, kind of just decompressing, but I had no idea what are the steps you're supposed to take. So I like bought a Pathfinder book. Um, I started like doing brainstorming sessions with myself. I had a really great friend who also quit around the same time I did for similar reasons. And so we would get together and try to think of things. But what really set me on my path, there were two moments. One was a coworker uh, had a friend who was actually a life coach and she was having an event that I was able to attend. And in that event, she did a lot of work around purpose and visualization. And she actually helped me connect to a version of myself who was in her purpose. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't see what she was doing. She literally used meditation to kind of get us there, but I felt how she felt and she was open and bright and strong and really grounded, uh, in herself. And in that moment, I knew that was possible. So she opened me up to the possibility, which I'm really grateful for. And I I had blinders on at the time. So I didn't know like coaching, I I didn't see myself in her yet at that stage. And then another magic moment that happened was my future. She's my sister-in-law now at the time was, um, future sister-in-law. She was part of a women's entrepreneurship group. And she had a business idea and this group was having a retreat and she invited me. And so I ended up going. How did you meet her? The, so that my sister-in-law found this organization okay. that helps female entrepreneurs actually step into their businesses. And you joined that. And group. I joined that. She oh invited me, which I really, you know, to share a piece of you that is private and in process to share that with someone who you love is a really vulnerable thing to do. And 
I really am truly grateful for her for that. The funny part is I went to this retreat that the organization was hosting and it turned out to be all personal growth and development and spirituality. (laughs) (laughs) And so that was, again, a big awakening and reminder of you're not just looking for a business, you're looking for yourself. Yeah. And that sent me on a whole interesting inner journey. And it was all the things that I grew up knowing at a theoretical level. And that was talked about at my dinner table, Mm -hmm. but it was coming from women who looked like me and were having similar challenges and, and, and they were integrating it with business. Mm -hmm. So I got to see what that looked like, which wasn't role modeled in the corporate world, which wasn't role modeled at my, you know, university. Uh, and, in that moment, I knew, okay, these are the things that are going to come together because we are so trained in society to use our mind, right? We've sharpened it. You know, you can learn anything you want to learn these days. What we have forgotten is the art of coming inside and reconnecting to our spirit and to our soul and to our inner guidance system, and even potentially to a higher power, if you believe in that. And so in that context, I really realized, you know, we, we need both. We need to come inward, turn inward. We need to remember how to navigate these waters because when you lead from here and from here, then the mind knows where to go. Mm -hmm. But if you don't integrate this part of yourself, your mind just does whatever it's going to do. And our mind is a beautiful thing, but it operates in a way to keep us safe, which keeps us from taking risks, which keeps our life really small. And I think these days we don't have the option to stay small anymore, but I really believe we don't have the tools to help us play big yet. And so in my work as a holistic executive coach, I help people who are getting those whispers or maybe that's thunder at this point for some people um, to pause and to come inside, to reconnect and to really in a creative way, think about, what do I want to be and who, what do I want to do here? Who do I want to be and what do I want to do here? And to do it in a space that's really safe, because I think these days we feel like we have to have it perfect and all together before we even talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so when people come into a coaching environment with me, it's almost like walking into a, a therapist's office and a business consultant. It's kind of the blend of the yeah. two in some ways. I'm not, I'm not a therapist, but mm-hmm. we the confidentiality is there and the, the wandering conversation is allowed to happen. And my job is just to find those little golden nuggets or those moments where the person lights up and starts to really talk from that deeper level of themselves and reflect that back to them. And then kind of create these small little steps to help you move into what I call your someday, that ultimate version of what you're really meant to do in this world. So when they book a session with you and they come in and don't have any clue what they want to do. They, you just start to kind of dissect like what they like and what they're good at. Like what sorts of questions do you ask? The first thing we do is I set a a routine with them to actually reconnect with themselves. So most of us have been so out in the world that we, it's no surprise that we don't know what we want. We Mm -hmm. haven't talked to ourselves right Mm -hmm. in a while. And so we do work to really give them time and space in their normal routine to come in and to come home. So that involves meditation or journaling, um, going for walks, doing things that actually create time and space for them to hear their own thoughts and their own intuition. So we, we make sure that that becomes a practice as we do our work together. Then within the sessions, 
a lot of what we do is we actually go back in history. So when we were really young, our kindergarten teacher usually asks us, what do you want to be when you grow up? And so I don't ask that exact question, but I start to ask them, who were you when you were small? What did you naturally do really well? What were you interested in? What dreams did you have? And again, they're little seeds because when we're little, we're pretty pure at that point. And we just are who we are. And then as you know, society kind of teaches us we have to be a certain way and we kind of get plugged into these systems. We inherit the ideals and expectations of our parents and we start to come away from ourselves actually in many ways. So we usually start by going backwards. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I like to talk about with people is what really pisses you off, right? Yeah. Because there are missions that we're all here to do and sometimes it comes from a place of actually anger or frustration. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some people are like, it really drives me crazy that there is still, you know, from an environmental standpoint, we're still asleep. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's something you can dig your feet into. Right. And then also what do you really love and what are you passionate about? And it's surprising, but it's just below the surface. I think most people actually really do know what they want. They just haven't articulated it. And the truth is, is it comes in these little like small sentences right? Like, I really think this would be interesting instead of like a full business plan. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes we think we need this like perfectly structured concept or idea and the full understanding of exactly how we're going to get there. But the soul speaks in whispers and in small sentences and in uh, energy, right? When you see something, you go, or you go, you get really mad, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So we we just try to kind of play with what those ideas are. And then that usually kind of sends us on a trail. Yeah. With our background yes. and we're both like super entrepreneurial mm-hmm. and that's kind of what we wanted. I think from the beginning, yeah. we like business. We want to have our own thing. We're passionate. And I, I'm really interested in the conversation where, like I told you before, mm-hmm. I used to think everyone should do what they're passionate about yeah. and the world would be just a better place. Yep. And people that didn't do necessarily what they were passionate about. I just felt like kind of sorry for. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I realize that there's a place for everyone in society. Not everyone needs to start a business. Not everyone wants to start a business. Mm -hmm. And that's what helps the world go around even because there are people that have dreams and they have a vision and they need the support system and they need the team to help them get there. And other people want to be part of someone else's vision. But then I think a lot of times, so I want to touch on that. Like, Mm -hmm. are there people that come to you that don't want that, but they just want to be placed in the right, um, on the right team or, um, work on a mission, but know that they don't want to start it themselves. And then also, um, just touching on the fact that like, how do you, um, decipher between a hobby and yeah, a career? (laughs) Because some things you really do want to just keep a hobby. Mm -hmm. Like for example, for me, I was like, Oh, I'm going to open a yoga studio and I'm going to teach and I became a teacher and I enjoyed it, but I realized that it kind of screwed me over in a way. Cause now every time I'm in a like vinyasa yoga class in particular, it's like, I think about my alignment 24 seven, which is great, but I can't get my mind off of what the prompts are. If the Mm -hmm. teacher is doing something wrong, like (laughs) you shouldn't transition between this to this because that was the way I learned. And Mm -hmm. it really took out the, um, just what I got out of being a student. And I think that's really interesting as well to explore that, um, no one, I mean, I went through that and then I realized after the fact, which 
it all happened for a reason, just like you were saying. I mean, it gave me a lot of experience. It, mm-hmm. That was just a learning experience for me, for my own body to get familiar with myself, with my body, with my journey. So it wasn't like I needed to be a teacher. Yeah. Um, but I just always find it interesting just from the perspective of like me judging people in the past mm-hmm. for it wasn't judgment against them. It was just like, Oh, why is everyone settling? Like, why does everyone have to settle? Yep. And, and yeah, but I also felt a sense of responsibility to go after what I want. Mm-hmm. And because I have that opportunity and I felt like my family or whatever, I have the opportunity to do something. So why not like make a difference? And for me, that was important, but it's not important for everyone. So many things on that. No, this is such an important conversation to have. And the truth is it's complicated. My parents taught me when I was really young and I don't think I understood it till recently. They're like, who you are is the thing because you can bring, when you work on who you are and you become your best self and you operate from your value system, it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're working for a huge corporation or you're sitting on the floor with you, with your kid teaching them something or you're connecting with your spouse or you're helping, you know, someone on the street that needs something from you. That is actually what's important, right? And I was like, I mean, like there's major <laughs> problems out here. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I see the truth in that because, and that's that's why so much of the work that I do is around our on our inner state and connecting to who we really are and working on bringing that to ourselves and to the people around us as much as possible. So there's a couple concepts I'll share with you that I kind of made up. But one is I believe that some people need to be at the desk they're at and it just needs to be cleaned up, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of mess there. And that's the how. So how are we being in our job? And you wrote an article on that. And I, I loved did. it. How I to did. find happiness with in your, a job you yeah. hate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and actually, that's where I start with a lot of my clients who are like, I just want a different job. And I'm like, pause. Okay. And I wish I had done, again, all of this stuff is crap that I didn't do or <laughs> I needed to learn or I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not a, a guru here. I'm definitely a co-learner. Um, but if once we start to see ourselves and learn and operate in any situation, that's most of the battle, right? So for me, when I was working at a big corporation and then I left to go do my own thing, I truly believe I brought 70% of the issue with me, right? Because I just was who I was. I was stressed out. I was hypercritical. My inner critic was screaming at me all the time. I was a perfectionist. If you're in your purpose or not, it doesn't matter. That is going to be with you because it's who you are. Mm -hmm. So there is boundaries is a huge one I work on with people at work, especially for women and men who do not have kids who work in organizations that are very much family friendly, which is a beautiful thing. We don't give ourselves permission to have boundaries because the way that boundaries have been role modeled for us is I have to go get my kid from school. Mm-hmm. Not, you know what, I need a mental health day or I got a yoga class I got to go get to, or I need to go volunteer so that I can, you know, express my creativity, you know, by teaching someone art. Like that's, I need to do that for myself. So creating strong boundaries and allowing your job to not overwhelm your entire life is a lot of the work that I end up doing with people. And once you do that in the situation you're in, then you can bounce to the next thing and have at least a a head start. Yeah. The other piece is switching desks. So there are some people who are accountants who should actually be a marketer, right? So you're actually at the wrong desk and we just need to clarify and get you into a different position. Mm -hmm. The third is building your own desk. 
And this is where my entrepreneurs come in. Yeah. And I truly, you know, I, I studied entrepreneurship in college. Like my parents were both entrepreneurs. So it was, I, it was, it's in my DNA a little bit, but I have such a high need for certainty that it is, I'm a very unlikely entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That's just the truth of it. <laughs> and so building my own desk felt really, really scary to me. Uh, some entrepreneurs, they're built that way. They, they like, you don't even see the desks that are already built, right? Mm -hmm. What I realized for myself, and I'm still trying to live into this every day, is the way that I want to do my work is very specific. And when I try to, when I think about plugging myself into org different organizations, whether they're coaching organizations or going to work for a corporation, not that I won't partner with them, but there's a, there's a way I need to do it because of who I am and because of the way that I'm seeing things. And so I knew I had to go build my own desk. Mm -hmm. And that I honestly believe is the hardest thing to do. And it's not for everyone and it's not at every time. I actually think this is a good bridge to the conversation we were having about motherhood. Yeah. So we forget about time in our lives, right? And my dad, again, they, you know, you learn all this stuff, but I, I didn't get it until I was in it. This will circle back. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but the way that I actually was able to leave my job was I drew a line and I drew zero to 90. And this is my lifespan. My grandfather's over 90. So for sure <laughs> I'm living for a long time. And I was 28 at the time. And the conversation I was having with myself was I spent seven years investing in this career. I've done so much like my, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I've, I've done too much to switch. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this is one way to look at it, but hold on. I know this isn't real. I know this is my fear and my practicality speaking. And so I drew the line and then I realized, girl, you got decades <laughs> of work ahead of you. So seven years is nothing. Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things. And that was something that really allowed me to go, okay, like there is a chance here and you need, you need to move. Um, so I think that that, that perspective of time is really important. It's also important because there's probably people here who are in the middle of motherhood, right. Or thinking about it and entrepreneurship during motherhood is really difficult. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes it's the better option, right? It's both. It depends how you look at it. Yeah. It depends how you set yourself up. Uh, Marianne Williamson, I was at an event called Emerging Women Live. Her. She's my yeah. everything. I'm like, if I could be anyone, mm -hmm. Marianne. a woman. Uh, and she, she was at a, an event called Emerging Women Live. If you haven't heard of it, go. Uh, it's an incredible women's leadership conference that bridges all these disciplines together. And Marianne was speaking at the end of, very end of the conference. And she was rallying people up because she's like, you know what? Everyone who's spiritual, who's awake, you got to get off your butt and start working and changing stuff because yeah. on the meditation mat is for you. Everything else, you got to go out and take what you know there into the world. And she really like drew up energy and everybody that was there. I was like crying. I was like, let me go. Let me I out know. of everything. She go. is so good at She's that. She's an incredible speaker. But then she said during the Q&A, there was a woman who had a, a child and she was talking. I can't remember exactly what the question was, but Marianne's response was, if you have a child between the ages of zero and five, you are not responsible for being at the front of the line, you know, in this shift that we need to be making as a collective. You go raise your kids, keep doing that however you want to do it, incorporate your work however you want to do it. But the rest of us will keep going and we will hold your place in line. I just got the chills. And I started bawling, yeah. essentially. It's not easy to make me cry, but that just, it just gets you in your gut. And as women, you know, I, there's so much fear around stepping into our power and into our purpose because 
for some of us, motherhood is a thing that we really desire and care Mm -hmm. about. And we're having this conversation of how do I do it all? And, you know, at least for the women who were one mini generation ahead of me, who I saw as I was working at corporate, who had kids, they were pulled in all directions. They were wonderful professionals, wonderful moms, but they were I could sense they were in a constant state of like battle with themselves of trying to really show up perfectly everywhere. And I remember being like, I cannot do that. Yeah, no. I can barely do this right now with just me. How am I even going to possibly make that happen? And there's a lot of conversation around flexible work in corporate America. There's a lot of conversation around taking a break, right? And a pause to raise your kids. But there is a sense that we are going to get left behind if we do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, a shame. Yeah. That is a shame. And it's also not the truth. Some places it is, but you will find great work. I have a friend who took a year off to raise her child and came right back into an even better job than she left. But the fact that women leaders with organizations, big and small, have to out loud say, we got you. If your choice, and it's not everybody's choice, and it's also not everybody's privilege to be able to go home and stay with their kids for a certain amount of time, but you go do that or you work part-time and your career should not and will not suffer because I've got you. Yeah. But no one ever said that to me because no one ever said that to those women leaders. Mm -hmm. Right. So I do think, I don't even know how we got to this point, but I, (laughs) I believe that we should not have to feel like we have to do it all and all right now. Mm -hmm. Right. That again, there is time on our side here where we can go, okay, this chapter my number one priority is actually raising my kids instead of building my business. My business might be a very close second and I might spend a lot of time on it, but that's what my priorities look like. Mm -hmm. And then it may flip flop over time. And then if you have a partner, you guys get to dance together and figure out what that is. I think we have to keep getting more creative. I think we have to support each other in a much bigger, more vocal way. And the biggest thing is I think women have to give ourselves permission to figure out what we want and desire and how we're going to do it. Cause it's probably not going to look like a lot of people around you and have the leadership ability to do it, even though it feels really uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it's so difficult though, still to take in and take on. And Mm -hmm. I think being an entrepreneur like you said, it can be easier or it can be more difficult. It can yeah. be easier in the sense that you can schedule your own hours exactly. and you can bring your kid along probably. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because I was just talking about this. We hold yoga classes here yeah. in the space and I was just, and I also have a dog and I'm married and I'm like, okay, I want to bring my dog, but she sheds a lot. She's a cyber husky. <laughs> like, no, she's going to like go up and like everyone's face. Yeah. Um, But then, okay, if I had a kid and we're holding like a meditation here Mm -hmm. and I have a screaming baby and it's my business, like I would feel like shit, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm like ruining everyone's vibe. But at the same time, what's so funny is David, our videographer and art director here, he was like, well, weren't you saying that like literally to a friend of mine who is in this industry and who brings her kid to Kundalini Yoga often in L.A.? He was like, weren't you saying um, her kid would be welcome? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And I just took a step back and I was like, wow, like I wouldn't, I would rather not bring my own kid, Mm -hmm. my own blood, but allow someone else's. Like what is wrong with that picture? Mm -hmm. And our priorities are just, just because maybe the way I think it would look 
obviously the way it Mm -hmm. looks. And then, um, yeah, it's just priorities. Like my customers, the type of customers I have obviously appreciate children (laughs) and it's okay. That's just life and that's natural. And Mm -hmm. what am I doing here? Yeah. You know, what are we doing if we can't accept, um, being around children? You know, I mean, there's a time and a place obviously, but it's just an interesting conversation to have. Like, why can't in corporate America, why can't we have kids come to work with Mm -hmm. us? Why can't there be a space for kids? I mean, a lot of people are doing that, but yeah, it's just, you know, I think as they start to realize that how valuable women are in um, the workforce, it's just, it's going to happen and Mm -hmm. they're going to have that conversation and they're going to say, you're welcome. Just take some time off or we're going to help support you. But it's still scary and it requires, I don't know what it requires, you know, like this whole vegan movement, like (laughs) look how far it's come. Yeah. So what does that look like in the workforce? So what it takes uh, is people allowing themselves to want, decide what they want and giving themselves permission to at least ask the question. Yeah. Right. So I do think that the answer sometimes is no or not right now, but until we ask, you know, I don't know know if that, you never know. You never know what's possible. Yeah. Which it's so you were just mentioning, like you were going to go back into HR possibly, but it's funny when you said that, because I had a stint in my career where I had started the site Mm -hmm. and I mean, something was going on and I was trying to figure out how to move forward with doing it. I I wanted to do it, but it wasn't going to be a side thing. Was it going to be like a full-time thing? And, um, I like went and actually helped with HR. Yeah. It's so funny with my family's um, business for a little bit until I figured it out. But like I mentioned to you, that was when, you know, my parents are super supportive Mm -hmm. and they're partners in what I'm doing right now, but they're supportive. They believe in me and they're going to be supportive because they, you know, trust me that my work ethic and all sorts of things on their daughter. But my stepmother-in-law was really the one that was like, you need to keep going and pushing yes. me and um, and really supporting me emotionally in that. And I think it's so important because I think, like you mentioned, when you wrote, drew your line, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, I seven years is not that long compared to all this time I have left. But I think you... Yeah. In the beginning, it's easier to back out because you don't have that much skin in the game. Mm -hmm. And it's not that scary because you haven't put that much money towards it, that much time towards it. And and it it doesn't look like whatever failure looks like. It looks like, oh, I just tried that out. I pivoted. Yeah. Yeah. Versus I failed. The longer you're in something, I mean, and that's why you have to check yourself. Like, am I stuck Mm -hmm. or do I really want to be doing this? And I think you have to continue re-evaluating what that looks like. And I think it's always going to pivot in a way, like maybe not a major pivot, but you're going to shift things around. And like you said, it's a dance and it's so cool because once you start experiencing those things or you look back and you're like, wow, like that person, they might not know, but they saw a spark in me. Mm -hmm. And every time I hung out with them, they would bring it up. 
and it wasn't super pushy, Mm -hmm. but they really encouraged me to keep going. And you really have to keep those people close to you because it's really fucking hard. It's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. It's so blissful. I I talked about the fact that you have this like there was this like range of emotion that I lived in before. And then as you move into entrepreneurship, as you move into your purpose, your range gets bigger on the high and the low side. And I think community is so critical. Like the entrepreneurship group I was a part of saved me because I could see the women around me who were going for it. I could see the women who had kids who were going for it. Right. Um, And I do think, you know, there were little moments along my journey where I got that spark or that encouragement or that keep going. Sometimes it was internal. Sometimes it was a client who showed up that I didn't think I was ever going to get. Sometimes it was a friend. Sometimes it was my dad right? Or my mom or my husband. Um, so those, those moments that they seem really small and to anyone on the outside or by any logic, you'd go, that's not a reason to stay in business. Are you crazy? Yeah. When your soul knows you're like, that's a sign, Mm -hmm. right? And it sounds nuts, but you're like, that's a sign that this is needed. That woman gets to do that because you said that Mm -hmm. keep going. And you feel it in your gut. And again, we're so trained here. And because logic, soul work is a logical. It's not illogical and it's not logical. It just comes from a different place. And again, if you let that be the leader and then you bring in your mind to say, okay, well, we do need to make rent this month. So like, mm-hmm. do I need a part-time job? Do I need to make sure I do some more prospecting? So I have the option to have a couple more clients. Like we both have to work together, but we flip the order and we go, let me think about this practically instead of what do I really want, right? And when you're creating your future based on practicality and around mind logic, you can only go so far. Instead of, you know, Gary Zukov talks about, he's an amazing spiritual leader, but he talks about the personality being at the service of the soul mm-hmm. versus just the personality looking around to say, well, what's everybody else doing? And what does the math say, right? So yeah. it's, it's a combination that I think, again, is missing in a lot of our schooling and a lot of our training, um, but it is... That's the only way you get to do entrepreneurial work, I think. Oh, I remembered about my, why I brought up HR. Mm-hmm. So a couple concepts here. One is what, what we're talking about, which is the U-turn, which is, this is really hard. I just want to go back to my safety, right? Yeah. So I was having a U-turn moment and uh, I, whenever I do that, I go on LinkedIn and I'm like, what's available? <laughs> I really want a paycheck that I don't have to make like, you know, hundred dollar by hundred dollars. It's like going back to like an ex. <laughs> it's exactly like that. And it's so appealing because you remember all the good stuff. You remember the safety and security, right? Um, and again, it always happens in a moment of fear. Making decisions at a moment of fear is really tricky instead of a moment of inspiration. Mm-hmm. So that's always a good, a good check. But I found this opportunity and I thought about going towards it. And there was a spiritual coach, I guess you could call, who... I I asked her about it and she's like, Sarah, you are a soldier, S-O-U-L, soldier. Some people I truly believe, and I thought that was my my duty at the time, was to go back into existing uh, institutions, whether that's government, schools, corporations, whatever, even your families, who are there to do the soul work to take that entity up to its next evolution. Mm -hmm. And I went, I can do that. And I was all about it. And it was actually a really great position to enable me to do that. I had the job essentially. And then another entrepreneurial leader I was working with said, let's find you a better option. So you can take that job, but while you're waiting for the interviews and the formality to happen, let's see what we can create. And she actually invited me into her space. And from there we, kind of 
saw that there was a business that I could actually do and create. And so I turned down the job and that was a pivotal moment for me uh, because again, I, I was like this, like for this woman who charges thousands of dollars for someone to come in and to have her brain power and heart power work on their business, she just offered it up. Like you have to say yes to stuff like Mm -hmm. that, you know? Um, but so that's the U-turn and it will happen all the time. It happened to me the other day. I was like, this is like, I love this, but this is like killing me. Like, I don't know if I can do it. Um, but you've got to, you've got to keep going. Like that's, and the interesting part is the longer you're in it, the harder it is to turn back. And then for me, in some ways I feel like I'm preaching, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have to find your purpose. You have to find your work, no matter where that is. And if it, if you don't do it, it's never going to leave you alone. So for me to like go back on that, yeah. feels like a, a huge shot at my own integrity, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, it's really dangerous because my, my personal self-worth was fully connected to my work. You know, some people are like, it's my work and then my relationships and my health and my bank account. For me, it was literally, how am I doing at my job was 99% of, am I an okay person? Yeah. Which is really, really hard. So to go from, you know, selling face wash and contact lenses and beauty products to <laughs> literally selling who I am and my skills and my abilities was really hard, first of all. But second of all, when someone tells you no, and not no, I don't want this, but no, I don't want you. Yeah. It can be really tricky. And what I, what I realized is all the work I did over the last couple of years on creating what I call like your unshakable you, like the version of you that it can do and go anywhere and is so certain that hearing no, I don't want you is totally okay with me. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that would be possible. Well, that's kind of what we were talking about. It's like hearing no, Mm -hmm. because you know, you're going to get a bunch of no's before you get a yes. Yes. So hearing no, you just have to reframe to, it gets me closer to my yes. And And for me, I remember being like, I have something that I created that could be bought. Right. Like even that concept to me, I was like, Whoa, like how it's did that so, happen? Yeah. Yeah. You've got to give yourself those little pats on the back, you know, along the way. You just do. Mm-hmm. So um when people come to you, do you give them a career test so that they can have an answer to go home to right away? No. <laughs> okay. So we talked about this a little offline, yeah. but we are built to just want the answer and to want every single step, like to get from A to B. And we want it to be easy and fast, right? We just I do. I did. Mm -hmm. And I remember leaving corporate or thinking about transitioning and I was meditating and like, I had a journal and a piece of paper and I'm like trying to like have some divine guidance come down. Cause I'm like, I will do whatever I'm supposed to do, but I do not know what that is. So for the love of everything, just help me hear it. And I literally have a piece of paper that's like scribbles like scribbles. Like, I'm like, come on, maybe my hand will just like move. No, I know. Exactly like it was, saying. it was one of those, like, I don't, I don't know. People talk about the dark night of the soul. Like I've never had that, but there is, What's a, that? it's like these, when your life completely falls apart oh, so yeah. that you can be reborn. Basically. Yeah. I am a death by paper cuts kind of girl. Like I do not have the, like, you know, I had body image issues, but I was never anorexic. You know what I mean? Like I drank to numb out, but I was never an alcoholic, like all that kind of stuff. I just have these little pains that keep happening like day in and day out. Um, So, so for me, my mini dark night of the moment (laughs) was just like on my knees, like being like, like, 
I feel this, this is real. Like, but what, what do I do? And nothing showed up on that piece of paper. Um, so, you know, I think we, we all want the answers. And when I work with clients, the first thing I say is you are in the driver's seat. This is your own journey. I will give you cues and tools. I will be a mirror. We will kind of figure this out together, but I do not have your answer. I have no idea if you're supposed to be an entrepreneur or not. And no test is going to tell you that, right? Mm -hmm. I have no idea what your strengths are until you show them to me. And you can take a million tests. I love, I'm a nerd, right? So I love the Enneagram. I love strength finders. I love all that stuff. They're just mirrors, but there's not an answer in that test. Mm -hmm. There's just a recognition or another way to show you that you are, you have inherent strengths and you have inherent challenges. And so you can just see yourself a little more clearly, but your answer is not in a book. (laughs) Your answer is in your heart. Kind of right. I think your prompting is in your heart and your recognition when something is in alignment is in your body and in your soul and in your heart, but you got to go and journal. You got to go meet people. You got to read things. You've got to be Someone said, you know, put yourself in the way of things you're curious about. Mm-hmm. You've got to be internal more than we are. And you got to be out in the world way more than you are. Because I really think it's, it's, um, it's like a puzzle piece, right? People say your career is a ladder. It's a jungle gym. Yeah. It's a jungle gym. But when you have that framing of, oh, I'm not supposed to just go like this. I'm supposed to like look around me and do different things. You act differently in the world. And then again, I do believe when you ask these little puzzle pieces of an answer start to come into your being, but you have to be patient with that process and you have to be participatory. And I think we are so used to people telling us what to do because of our lovely parents, because of our school system and how it, why it was built, which was to create people who go work in a factory. Mm -hmm. Right. And even our university, some of them, definitely we've lost the arts. We've, you know what I mean? Like it's just, we, and so we're robots. We, we're robots. <laughs> yeah. And we, and we have no patience because everything we wanted or anything we wanted right now could come to us in probably 10 minutes. Postmates. Uh, yeah. A date. Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Everything, basically. Anything. Yeah. I An see. What do you want? From Google. Yeah. Go- I wonder if you Google, what should I do? With There's my, something. Yeah. There's Actually, we should of, do that. We should totally do that. <laughs> what do I do with my life? <laughs> and they're like, these are the steps to take to decide what you want to do with your one. life. Well, the really funny thing is in my articles that I write for the fullest, right? And in some of the things that I teach, I, you know, I have a vlog platform where I share things. I do do the one, two, three steps, yeah, right? Because you have to figure out, you got to like get something going, but it's in recognition that like all of this could be wrong, right? Or maybe it's step one, four and three, you Mm -hmm. know, or maybe you have step seven that I don't even know about, but it's just to get you in motion. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, life does not go in order. No. And we were talking about that a little bit when I was telling you when I was deciding what I want to do, it was like, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this to get the experience. But on the outside and sometimes on the inside, it was like, oh my God, she's going crazy. Mm -hmm. She has no idea what she wants to do. She's trying all these things out, but then they kind of all come together. But if you let what other people say get to you, if you let your inner critic get to you, it's you know, and also like, I think it what you were saying is so true. You have to sit, you have to be patient with yourself. You mm-hmm. have to, but you really have and explore and be curious. Mm-hmm. But I also think sometimes when you have too much time, yes, it's not good. No, like you just need to do something and then you'll be like, okay, I don't like this mm-hmm. or I like it yep. and just, 
also that's part of being participatory. Exactly. I think is what you're referring to, right? That's exactly it. You have to be in motion. And again, doing these little things that might feel nonsensical actually can lead you to the right conversation or open your eyes to a career path you never even knew existed. And there is, there's, there's a tricky thing about the conversation around alignment and intuition and all that kind of stuff, because you can feel like not wanting to do something and you're like, oh, it's out of alignment, alignment right now. Or my intuition is telling me I shouldn't mm-hmm. do that. Fear and intuition kind of have this sneaky yeah. relationship or not relationship. Rather, they pose fear poses as intuition sometimes. And so you have to get really, really quiet and clear to go, OK, am I just freaking out about something right now? Like, oh, shit, if I do this, excuse my language. I'm going to have to put myself on stage. You know what? Eh, this wasn't such a good idea or I don't mm-hmm. have it together yet. Mm-hmm. But you're like, but do you still care about that mission? Is this still in alignment with what you believe in? Yes. Go, honey. Yeah. If you're like, I wanted to create a coffee shop, but really I need to be creating a writing a book. Okay. You're out of alignment, right? There's something <laughs> different there. But like most of the time you just need to do it. And again, we overestimate when one little movement or action is going to do in our lives. Mm-hmm. You have to take so many actions to make something possible. So just take the next step and then feel it out. Get the input. And I, I do believe that we don't take the pause after action to reflect and to integrate and then to pivot. Because literally every single, whether, even like writing an email blast, right? You write it, you see what response you get, you make a tweak, you edit, you keep going. But if you don't reflect, you're just going to keep doing the same crap or going down the same path Mm -hmm. that isn't quite right for you. Mm -hmm. So again, those powerful pauses, and they only have to be a minute or two or five, can change your life. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank that you was for so having fun. me. So wonderful. Aww. And thank you for stepping into your someday and into your possibility. This is magic and I it's truly a dream to be a part of it. So thank you. Oh my you. gosh, thank you. I'm so excited for everyone to find out more about you and the work that you're doing. And I'm excited myself to start talking to you a little bit more about next steps and all sorts of things. I think it's never ending work. So thank you. Keep going. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yay.